Welcome to the Empathic Mastery Show. I'm your host, Jennifer Moore, and I'm so glad you're here. This is a place where we talk about what it means to be highly sensitive and empathic, how this impacts all aspects of our lives, and we explore tools, resources, and solutions so we can shift from absorbing all the thoughts, feelings, and energy of the world around us to being beacons for calm, love, and healing. Hey there, everybody. I am really excited and delighted to be here with you today. I have a really wonderful guest for the Empathic Mastery Show. I had the opportunity to meet her, and she brought me onto her podcast, Mastering Your Craft. And Naranjan Noda is such being of light. I have no doubt we're going to have this amazing, amazing conversation. So let me tell you a little bit about her. Naranjan is a spiritual guide mentor, and teacher. She helps you identify how others' opinions and judgments may deter you from meeting your goals, both personally and professionally. I'm sure we know nothing about that here. She dives deep into the core karmic issues that manifest as anxiety, depression, lack of self-esteem, self-worth, and a fear of being visible, and transforms them into understanding knowledge, and wisdom resulting in joy, peace, and an enhanced feeling of compassion towards oneself and others. Naranjan has spent over two decades learning and reigniting her energetic gifts, working with the unseen higher realms and bringing them into a form for humans to understand and process energetically. She invites you on a courageous journey to transform yourself. Now is the time to embrace the infinite possibilities that await you at the convergence of the mind, body, and soul. That just sounds so delicious. Naranjan, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you, Jennifer. I'm so honored to be here to have a beautiful conversation. I'm curious to see how it's going to unfold. So thank you. I know, I know. So I always like to start. You know, and I have to say, like, just the piece at the very beginning of this bio just really jumped out at me because I was actually working with somebody right before you and I jumped on where so much of other people's opinions and judgments are just completely hobbling them because they know their truth. But then it's sort of like that feeling of like, well, what are other people going to think? Or when other people are just saying, no, you're being too sensitive, you're overreacting, it just stops them in their tracks. And so I I was just like, oh, yeah, we could really talk about that and so many other things. But before we go there, I always love to start by talking about what is your experience as a highly sensitive, empathic person? How did you realize that you were empathic or intuitive or, you know, identify as an empath? What was it like, especially in the early days? So tell me a little bit about the beginnings. Tell me a little bit about you before you found your way to this place of peace and joy and empowerment. Wow, Jennifer, that's that's quite a big question. I know. I'm (laughs) going to go with when we are younger, 
when we get birthed into this planet and molded into environments, experiences to be this person, we don't know any different. Yeah. However, as I grew and as I gained more awareness of the outside world, outside of my beautiful home, comfort, and these people around me who surround me with love and compassion, as I ventured out there and began to learn a little bit more deeply, especially utilizing my innate gifts that I didn't know were innate until you have a conversation with somebody else and they say, is that how you look at life? Is that how you navigate through it? Yes, because intuitively, I was being led all my life until it came to my attention that not everybody does that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's when I learned I was really different. And how old were so, you when you realized or you learned that you were really different? I would say roughly in my later teens. Wow. Early 20 even. Uh-huh. So you, so it sounds like your childhood experience was one of a lot of loving support and that you were kind of almost like from the way you were describing it, it's like you were kind of in this beautiful, for lack of a better word, bubble where Mm -hmm. maybe other people, so did other people in your family also have gifts? I believe they do. However, it's a choice and it's a really courageous decision to step into it and claiming it. Yes. So I've claimed them. I claimed them a long time ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whether they have claimed them or not, that's a journey that everybody's life path unfolds. Right, right. I guess the thing I'm is what's so fascinating to me is that you didn't necessarily realize that you were really different until you were in your teens or early 20s. And so I'm sort of thinking, at least from in my experience, a lot of times that revelation of difference comes from the awareness of contrast. And so it's striking to me that it wasn't until you were in your late teens, early 20s, that you experienced that level of contrast that allowed you to discover that. So even if people in your family were not necessarily using gifts, I am imagining they were supporting you or just like there just wasn't the friction that there can be for some people in childhood. Perhaps it was more on the lines of she likes all of that stuff, being Mm -hmm. Eastern philosophy, astrology, astronomy, sci-fi. It just became a part of personality trait that Mm -hmm. was that's what she's like. Whereas when, you know, my other siblings are into different things and that's okay. It just unfolded that way rather than it being pinpointed of there's an extra gift there. There's something more mystical about her. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps it's also due to the um, awareness. And because I was raised in a religion and some of that might have come from that context of, it's in the religion, so it's a given that this is how it's going to transpire or this is what it potentially can look like. Mm-hmm. Um, now I don't practice the religion. I have a lot of respects for a lot of religions and especially the one that I was raised in to honor and, and create that space, if you will, during my younger years 
to unfold some of these gifts. And now I've expanded on them even further by using other schools of thought ready throughout how I work through the energy world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'm imagining, I mean, the sort of the, you know, in your bio, the very first line is that you help identify how others' opinions and judgments may deter you from meeting your goals, both personally and professionally. I know in my experience that usually the things that we share with other people started with experiences we had for ourselves. And so I'm wondering about that point where you went from just kind of taking your innate gifts for granted to understanding that you had these unusual or extraordinary gifts, but also that dance with other people's opinions and judgments. So Mm -hmm. I'd love to hear a little bit about that awakening period. Like, what was it that had you go from just assuming that this is just kind of your, I don't know, like your personality traits, the things that you just happen to like? It's like, your brother likes baseball, you like astrology. Mm-hmm. Like to go from that to the, oh, I have these gifts and I'm called to serve on this planet and I need to do something. What was the experience? Like, what was the revelation? How did you, like, what happened? And had you realized, was there an, an event or an experience where you went, ooh, I'm, you know, like, I'm not like the others? I'm going to say my higher self and all the other beings around me went easy on me to a certain degree, that it wasn't one jarring experience, rather it was an accumulation of things. And in seeing that accumulation and that pattern of behavior and pattern of experiences that challenged me as a human being of how am I going to overcome this hurdle that's proving to be life debilitating for the lack of better terms because when it's so big it feels very debilitating and I had those for much of my life but my way to resolve them seemed very much in the astral realm so innately I went to the astral realm to get results I didn't I did seek western um, resolution, you know, doctors, counselors, and all those other um, individuals that are here to support on a very third dimensional level. But it seemed to be a slow process. Mm-hmm. And, and of moving out of the opinions of judgments, because even though I was raised in a religion, and in a very tight, tight-knit community, My heritage is from India. Both of my parents are from India. I was born and raised in Britain. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. in order to reserve one's culture, especially as an immigrant, there is generally a very tight, locked um, hold on the culture when people move from country to country, especially when the environment changes. And to maintain that, my family environment really held on to the culture. And within that came a lot of rituals, came a lot of uh, belief systems and expectations around the religion, around the culture, around society. Um, 
And that was the bigger influence from my part of what are these expectations that are expected as a young woman being raised in this environment. So that was probably the bigger catalyst of breaking away from that mold, Mm. if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, But also doing it in a way where I'm not disrespecting where I'm coming from. I'm honoring it because I'm utilizing the astral realm of these deities, gods and beings and gurus. I'm utilizing them and having them support me because that's ultimately my this lifetime route, but also paying homage to them in this life, just as I do in the other deities with Buddha and Christ consciousness and other realms of energy. So it it was a slow process. It was a gradual process, but for me, not a stark contrast, but slowly in reflection, year after year, you recognize how much further and further away you're coming away from the original environment in which I was raised, which I think is a beautiful thing because we're all here to grow and evolve. Right, right, right. Well, and being able to sort of take what we like and leave the rest. Um, this image is coming to my mind, which may be like the audience is going to be like, how the hell does she take this? But I was thinking about, I was doing some work with somebody the other day about souls and spirits and the difference between sort of people who remain or souls that remain earthbound and who don't necessarily fully cross over and how they're versus souls that do cross over. And it's sort of like, we can be in that kind of earthbound way of relating to things, or we can be in that elevated way of experience that love taking the things that were rich and good from it, but it it transcends into something higher. I don't know if that's making sense, but absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's it's so I actually I'm thinking two things. One question I have is so that we're all on the same page, let's define astral. Astral to me is a vibrational frequency that we can see with our naked eye, um, a waveform that goes way out of, I want to say, the quantum field of the surrounding of Mother Earth. So astral is beyond Mother Earth vibrational frequency. So, um, so there's sort of the Earth frequency, and then there's the astral frequency. For the lack of better terms, yes. Yeah. So it goes beyond. To me, that's what I, I conceptualize of astral a bit being beyond. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So in some ways, I'm wondering, because I know that there are people who refer to the astral planes or the idea of the astral plane kind of being like, I know some people who look at the astral plane as being kind of a um, somewhat mucky like place, like that there can be sort of like the lower levels of the astral plane and the medium levels and the higher levels. My sense is that, and, and, you know, that people will do astral travel. My sense is that when you're speaking about it, that you're talking about something greater than maybe the way some people define astral. Like that, it sounds to me like you're talking almost like it's like the, the, um, energetic spiritual transcendent realm that exists beyond the physical dimension the expansion of quantum field 
the expansion of quantum field. Yes. Yeah. So the second question I've got for you is um, you mentioned that you, um, you, you sort of, you ended up moving into the astral, going into the awareness of the other, sa- of, of deities and saints and um, divine support because you were trying the 3D stuff with doctors and consultants and other people. And it, I, I'm imagining, or it, it wasn't quite cutting it. I'm curious, like, were you dealing with health issues? Were you dealing with, like, what led you to see these, these professionals that didn't work? It was um, a combination of different things. So, yes, there were health issues involved. Yes, there were life issues involved. So, from the perspective of who am I, what am I here to do, what's my role, and what kind of career path aligns with me with the skill sets that I bring or what comes naturally to me. So, I come Mm -hmm. from the creative realm, but I also come from a very strategic business realm as well. Those are the two areas that I studied in school and university and so forth. So then deciding what's my right path and that. And then I went through looking at mentors, having different conversations, different counseling, different experts, and gaining their opinions of what they think I should do. As an 18, 19, 20-odd-year-old, what's my path? So seeking that guidance. So that to me is an opinion and judgment that I really leaned into. Yes. As we do to a certain degree. But then fast forward 10 something plus years, if not longer, I lean into the intuitive part of myself going, this is where I should have been. Mm -hmm. This is what was natural. And maybe I was kind of playing in that realm by do studying in these areas. However, did a detour because we should have a nine to five job. We should be a company for X amount of years. The old traditional way of thinking of what employment and how one should live, two weeks mm-hmm. vacation, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm imagining that there was a period of time where you were doing the shoulds where you were you were trying to honor and follow other people's opinions where you were kind of going along with the plan absolutely yeah Yeah. absolutely yes let's just follow this because culturally there were many layers of follow this path and this is what's going to come at the end of it do these prayers, do these rituals and be a good girl. And this is going to show up at the end of it. Continue doing that, which I did for many years because I was, that's all I knew. That was my world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'm imagining, so I keep on thinking about, you were talking about being an immigrant and the experience of, you know, having family coming from one country and moving to another. and. Um, interestingly, in my family, my mother is a first generation American. My father, his family is more established in America. And so I kind of grew up with sort of 
like on one side, side, the experience of growing up in immigrant culture and on the other side, growing up in American culture. And one of the things as I've become an adult and I've started to kind of explore it is I've noticed there's almost like an energetic signature that is very particular to having immigrant status. And <clears throat> because I, my mom was a first generation American, I didn't necessarily identify, especially being having a father who was was American. I didn't necessarily identify, like I didn't get the impact of that. But I just wanted to say in my travels and in the conversations I've had, there's something very unique and very um, energetically precise about that way that people who have moved from one country to another, but also, as you were saying, the kind of holding, like we circle the wagons, we we gather in tightly and really try to hold on to the heritage and some of the things that are important. So I just, when you said that, I was like, yes, that I've, I've never talked about this particular subject on, on this, on the Empathic Mastery show before about the impact of being an immigrant. And I really do think that that adds a whole other layer of, of like, not only are you bridging between the worlds of spirit and form and being an empath and an intuitive and having all these gifts and navigating the ordinary world, then you're also navigating the duality or the two worlds of your heritage and your ancestors and your your uh, original country's culture, and then the trying to assimilate and understand what's going on for you as uh, as somebody trying to adopt this other culture. And I can only imagine going back to opinions and judgments how. You must, I'm imagining you must have been really sitting between the opinions and judgments of your original culture and all of the expectations of being a good, prayerful, devotional girl versus this alternative, this is what a successful, assimilated British citizen looks like. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It is very challenging, especially when in those growing years, I don't think we ever stopped growing, but in those very primitive years, I even remember identifying myself as this is my Indian life and this is my English life. Mm. So very compartmentalized mentally. And I'm not a stranger to it. It's done very much so within Many religions, not only mine, but many others, individuals that I've come across, do create that segmentation of how they move through the world. One thing I will add, born, my parents are from India, born and raised in Britain. I now live in Canada. Mm. And what, even so, even that, I'm still an immigrant coming in. Or should right. I say, I am now an immigrant coming in because I was born and raised in Britain. Yeah. However, coming in in this phase, where I am today, there seems to be less full push. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I would equate that to the work that I've done in terms of unraveling those belief systems, those behaviors and traits that keep you locked and loaded in that, in that environment. 
but rather feeling an, an essence of home truly in the heart. And as cliche as that sounds, it's crucial to have that because I know for me, if I was to move to another part of the world where I didn't know anybody, I would still feel at home. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because it's coming from the inside out. And I say that wholeheartedly, knowing the depths of work that I have done. And it's not easy work, as you can equate to too. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I'm sort of imagining what an interesting legacy of craving home. Because it seems to me that in some ways, like, you are the realization of probably multiple generations seeking home because you don't, I'm going to be, I'm going to step out on a limb here and say, I don't personally think that anybody chooses to leave their motherland for no reason. Mm -hmm. Like I think generally people decide to leave their own country because something is not working. It doesn't like like they don't feel safe and at home there. So I'm sort of imagining that not only were you dealing with your own journey and your own process, but I'm also imagining that as the sensitive person in the family and also just from the standpoint of inherited legacy, that this need for home is not just, it doesn't start with you and it doesn't end with you necessarily. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. It's it's an ongoing thing, but we're doing the work that we do, especially tapping into the lineage and the ancestral souls to be able to to get the honor to freeing them and allowing them to heal so they can evolve in their evolution is an ultimate gift for them, but an ultimate gift for me. So wherever I end up landing, I know I'm home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm wondering about, you know, how did, what was that experience of, did you, did you just sort of, did you deliberately start going into the astral? Did you deliberately start to, to seek what you needed outside, uh, like be like, like in that astral, in the quantum realms, like, did you? Did, did was that a deliberate thing, or did you sort of instinctively almost like just land there and then realize that you were there? How did you how did you go from other people's opinions and judgments, getting help from other people, you know, like trying to follow the rules to moving towards that that sense of something numinous and internal? There was an element of play. Mm. There was um, a huge element of play as I lived in this very dense world of go to work, come home, go to work, come home, of playing in what would happen if I do this? And intuitively being led into a stillness, a quietness, being in nature and observing my heart and unraveling and sitting in interesting mental places as well as emotional places and just sitting in those spaces to see what would happen and what is my higher self trying to communicate to me just as my younger self 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And be open to listening to those dialogues. Was there an element over the last 20 years of structure of how to tap in? Absolutely. But is it a learned and is it a developed muscle? Absolutely. But that forced me the opportunity to play. And then through that play, I gained more awareness and understanding and sensations of these other realms. And that put me in the space of now I'm feeling this, now I can identify this energy and identify that energy. I often share this as an experience of learning another language. Mm-hmm. Mm. Because ultimately, that's what we are. We're learning another language that wasn't taught in our primitive years. Yes, yes. And as we evolve and unpack, and vibrational frequency of the planet is changing so rapidly, we're getting, we need to learn even faster. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that said, um, a, a question that comes to my mind is, what as we are aware, I mean, things are rapidly shifting and we need to learn even faster. Mm-hmm. How do we do that? What is What advice would you have for somebody if they're like, I can sense the need, but I'm not really like, what do we do? Depending on the scale of the awareness of the individual, if at very early stages, seek support, seek guidance, you tune into your intuition to align with somebody who you feel aligned with to gain that support we all want to do it alone i get it yeah but it's all happening so fast link an arm with somebody else who can support you and guide you on this journey because just as high we can go and we have access to such beautiful energy the depths is equally scary so not to scare anybody we want to make sure we're on the right plane and led the right way. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I was having a conversation the other day with um, Lisa Campion, who's this amazing author and healer. And we were talking about just how, you know, sometimes when you look into the void, the void looks back. And mm-hmm. that it is so incredibly important that we are going in the right direction and that yeah. we are that we are are being mindful, that we are being cautious about that. Um, you know, and I think that, you know, one of the things that I'm noticing is that nowadays there are a lot of people who are, you know, TikTok and Instagram influencers who record videos and things, who say things, but who may or may not have any grounding or any back, you know, anything. What is your advice to anybody for how, in addition to that instinct, that trusting your intuition, because especially in that early stage when we're still so influenced by other people's opinions and judgments, how do we kind of know or find our way to the support that is truly aligned and not necessarily simply um, like their opinion and judgment or their like, like kind of feeling almost like their desire to get us to come work with them. How would you, how do you find the right person or right people? Take the time 
to invest in yourself before making a commitment. So for instance, if it's somebody that you see online, TikTok, Instagram, any social media, it's going to be, let's say for argument's sake, a minute, 30 seconds. You might get an instinct, you might get a feeling, heavy, light, dark, light, whatever. You might tune into that. And if that's not enough, then go to their website, see what other interviews they've had, see what other conversation, learn a little bit more about the individual or the company or the environment. And it'll give you a broader sense and a feeling, be it their brand, be it their messaging, the language, the words, the vibrational frequency in which they operate will reflect back to you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And allow yourself the time and energy to sit in it, sit in that energy. And does it feel light, open and transparent? Does it feel authentic? Or is it giving me a feeling of pulling towards me? Yeah, I need these people. Yes, yes. So to be able to determine and use your own discernment, which I think is the lesson and the word probably for the decade Mm -hmm. of how to discern your own intuition of what it feels like, what are you sensing? from your intuitive senses, but also using the logical brain of looking at that language. And is it authentic from that perspective? Yes. Does it come from an integral place? Right, right. Well, and nowadays there is so much training in coercive sales techniques. True, yes. that, um, That I think that a lot of people there's a lot of, it seems like there are a lot of people who have learned, even in the idea of, I'm going to push you or I'm going to hold your feet to the fire. Or I'm going to encourage you to invest in this X thousand dollar program mm-hmm. because your, your fear is keeping you from doing this. Therefore, mm-hmm. I'm going to do this. And It's a fascinating dance because while I do think that sometimes our resistance and fear can come up, I also do think that intuitively or instinctively, there is always either a yes or there is a, I'm not so sure about this or a solid no. Mm -hmm. And from my perspective, if it's not a solid yes, if there's even a feeling of like, I'm not sure about this, this feels like maybe they could help me, but I'm not sure, or it feels like they're pushing me a little too hard. It seems to me that that should be a no. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. One thing I truly believe is when a soul is ready to embark on a journey, whatever that looks like, and when an individual quests something in their heart of hearts, truly quests, who is my teacher? Who is my guide? Who is the individual I can lock arms with so I can feel secure to unwrap some of my own gifts? Put that quest out from your own heart of hearts to the universe and ask for a very distinct, specific sign. Because we're learning a new language here, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And put that out 
and be open to receiving a response because the way the vibrational frequencies of the planet are working these days, the response is going to be a lot faster than what we've been used to seeing. Yes, yes. Well, and um, that actually makes me or leads me to thinking about one of the problems or, or challenges that I've witnessed with a lot of the people I've worked with over the years, especially people in the earlier stages of intuitive and spiritual development, is the second guessing and the mm-hmm. doubting of intuition. In my experience, what I see is most of the time people get an answer very rapidly and it's yeah. the right answer. What I then notice is all of the um, sort of like backpedaling into what will other people think? Maybe I'm wrong. All of that self-doubt comes in next. What do you have to say about, and you could say that's, you know, yes, Jen, I totally have that experience too. Or what are you talking about? I've never experienced that. But I'm wondering if I, if what I'm saying is relatable, what do you have what advice would you give around self-doubt and around the pushing away the intuitive answer? Unwrapping the self-doubt to me is an opinion and judgment from somebody else that's been installed in you to make you believe it. Yes. So yes. when the doubt yes. comes in, unwrap it. Okay, the doubt is coming in because I don't believe it. Why don't I believe it? Well, because I've been told to believe this other thing. Okay, so can this other thing present in different forms and different shapes and shapes and ways? Absolutely. Okay, so am I really doubting that or am I really doubting the religion? Am I doubting the religion or am I doubting the person who told me everything's going to be okay? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So unwrap where that doubt is coming from and it'll lead you down a path of a belief system, a value that's been pushed on you potentially mm-hmm. that's not yours mm-hmm. so unwrapping that to say is it truly me and ask yourself those big questions and gift yourself the time to unwrap it in a safe place mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and when we get that answer no this is coming from some other place what do we do then then at least we know we're building that muscle, we're building a new language of, okay, this is what a no looks like. This is what a no feels like. Mm. My gut, my solar plexus tighten up. This is what a no feels like. But if, would you like a cup of coffee? Or is that person I connected with the hay there or someplace? Would you like a recommendation? Absolutely. Okay, that feels light. I feel my heart opening. I feel a sense of freedom on also a sense of security. Be aware of your physical energy, the feeling of, for instance, when you're standing in line in a grocery store and somebody comes behind you, but a little too close, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you are then becoming aware of your physical space. Yes. So tuning into that, I think, is part of the path and journey of figuring out your new language, but the bigger questions of what's a yes and what's a no. What's a yes and what's a no. I'm really struck as we're talking about this by how socially conditioned so many of us are to ignore the, the, the discomfort and instead to kind of go into acquiescence and people-pleasing 
and being the good girl who doesn't want to rock the boat and doesn't want to say that feels wrong to me, that feels icky to me, that doesn't feel like the right path for me. And just that dance of breaking out of the opinions, the judgments, the rules that would have us continuously ignoring when we are like, this is misaligned for me. This does not feel light. This does not feel good in my heart. This does not feel free. This feels more like a burden and a drag. And I'm struck by how so often, and then in my experience, there are so many reasons why people then will say, oh, well, I had to do that because, you know, like, that's all fine and good for for you and Jen to be having this or to be saying this thing Mm -hmm. about following your instincts and following your guidance. But like, I've got three kids. I've got this job. I've got this responsibility. I've got this parent with dementia. I've got, Mm -hmm. you know, any number of things where it's sort of like, well, isn't that nice that you can follow your intuition? But even if I knew what I wanted to do or what felt aligned and right, I've got this burden of obligation and responsibility that keeps Mm -hmm. me there. Um, Mm -hmm. What's the answer to that pushback? Of, you know, like, I have to stay, stay in this. I have to do these things that are are, are a no for me. One thing that I've always shared is regardless of where you are and what you're doing in life, we have a choice. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean both choices are easy. No. I can definitely put my hand up that I've made some big decisions in my life. And trust me, they were not easy. Yeah. So being on a path of being aware, empathic, highly sensitive, intuitive, and utilizing those gifts and abilities come with a sense of responsibility, just as a third dimensional life does a woman with three kids, for instance. Yeah, yeah. It comes with responsibility, but it comes from a place of you have to convict your life to it. There's, a, there's an element of conviction that is required to enhance and embody those gifts. So it's not easy to step into that, but it doesn't mean you have to step in both feet all at once. We're not going to eat an elephant in one sitting. I definitely didn't. Yes, yes. And there's no way I believe on an energetic level, on a soul level, your soul wouldn't want you to do that. Because ultimately, one thing I have learned more so is within the environments that we live in, be it people, things or places, if it's creating such a destruction and disharmony with all the people involved, something's getting tipped off. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's got to be a win-win for everybody. However, that win-win in the third dimension may not look like a win. Mm. But on a soul level, it's a win. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Could you unpack that a little bit and give a concrete example of what a win-win that doesn't look like a win could be? In another life while I was incarnated as Naranjan. I lived and worked and breathed in the corporate world for probably about 15 years. 
Wow. Nine to five, or should I say longer than that, because that's what they drive for. Yeah. Um, for about 15 years, to and fro, different environments, different politics, all those wonderful experiences that I kind of set myself up for. And I had chosen to leave because I kept getting contracted out. I kept getting my pink slip, if you will, on a regular basis in different environments. So then I went independent and went in as a consultant, would go in and do work and so forth. So I, it looked like a lose for me by handing in my notice saying, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it was really a win because it led me down a path of me working in my own environment, me having zero limitations in what I was offering to the world in how I can support them with the knowledge that I painfully gained in those experiences. So not an employee, now a consultant, it was a win. It was painful because it didn't, it took me probably a good three, four, five years till I got some traction to be able to create an income on it. Yes. Yes. So that I believe is divinely led and guided. It doesn't look like it's a win for everybody, but my soul knew it was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you just said something that I think is so incredibly important to hold up, which is that the pivot or the shift started to happen for you. And it took like three, four, five years to fully complete and integrate. We are inside, I think we're, you know, with the hustle culture that is so dominant right now, I think people have this idea of like, you know, 10Xing it in a month you know, like make six figures in a day. Like there's so much of this sense of like, take my, take my, you know, three, three session healing package and your entire life is going to completely change and you won't recognize yourself in a week, you know, in two weeks. Yes. And the thing is that in my personal experience and in the conversations I've had with so many people, it is an incremental process that really does take time. And that even after we make the decision to say yes to our dreams, it's not like you go from working in the corporate world to being completely self-actualized and like prospering as as an empathic entrepreneur Mm -hmm. overnight, that Mm -hmm. it is an absolute journey. So absolutely. And I think I think because of the, I think a lot of people because of the way media portrays success, I think a lot of people do not ever get to witness the process that people go through. And they don't understand that even though this person looks really successful right now, and it looks like it just they just popped up like a mushroom out of the blue, we have no idea the years and years and years of development that mm-hmm. it took them to get where they are. Absolutely. And even absolutely, Jen, I I love that. And as an add-on to that, as a maybe contextualize a little bit deeper, is when a woman gets pregnant, the ingestation period is nine months. Mm -hmm. This is what happens. And this is a process that we all go through 
multiple, multiple, multiple times in our evolution. I'm sure you've had it. I know I've had more than I can count on of time where I'm now secluding and digesting what I've learned from that experience. And then I'll be rebirthed. And then I'll digest. And then I'll be rebirthed. And then it's that constant death and rebirth, if you will. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Just like we can't rush a tree to grow a hundred year rings in five years. Right, right. I also, I love, I've always thought of the image of a rose as well, because when I was a little girl, we had this beautiful rose set of, of, of pink aloha rose bushes all mm. in at the front of our house. They were exquisite roses. I actually um, transplanted one and I have, and I have the heirloom plant growing in my, my garden, beautiful. but as a little girl, I wanted the roses to bloom so badly. I was so desperate for them to blossom that I will admit there was more than one of them that when they got to that point where they were not a bud anymore, but they were just starting to unfurl, where I would like try to force the rose open. And it never worked. All it would end up doing is ripping up the rose and basically destroying a flower. It did not ever create what I wanted. And I think for me, that's what I always come back to is we've got to let it unfurl at the right time. Yes. So Naranjan, I cannot believe, I always say this, if you guys, you know, for anybody who listens to this podcast, I always end up saying this and I always mean it. I cannot believe how fast the time has gone as we've been having this conversation. Absolutely. It's just yes. whipped by. Yes. Um, so, you know, there's a few more things I really want to ask. The first one being... What is the most important? Like, what are the things that you want to be sure you say for this audience? Like, what what really like you'd be kicking yourself if you you're like, oh my god, I should have said this thing. Perhaps trust your intuition. Listen to that little whisper before the ego mind screams at the top of its lungs. Listen to that little whisper and ask. It to get a little bit louder so you can hear it a little bit louder. That, that, listen to that little whisper and then ask it to get a little louder. I think that's a piece of the equation that many people do not add. And I think you just added, like, that feels to me like you just gave us like this, like, you just gave us the magic words. Like, that is so essential. Ask it to be more, ask it to be a little louder. Maybe ask it to be a little bit more clear. And you said earlier Mm -hmm. too, ask it for a sign. That's right. Ask it for a sign. Yeah. So um, I I actually, the one I I know that I want to ask you about, you know, sort of the time travel and going back and saying things, but I do, I am really curious about, you know, just what a remarkable pivot from working in the corporate world to being this, doing this light-filled, astrally guided, spiritually guided, um, empowering work that you're doing right now. I'm wondering about like, how long did it take? Like, how long, like, what was just sort of, if you were going to bullet point it, like, just kind of be like, you know, sort of like sharing the, the, the kind of outline of the plot points, like, 
What was the trajectory for you? When did you know that you were not going to stay in corporate? When did you start feeling being pulled away or called out? Like, like just like if we could just kind of like, I'd just love to hear kind of the timeline of it, because I think that would be something that a lot of people would find really validating because of okay. the fact that we so often don't know what it takes to get there. Fair. That's yeah. fair. I would say for myself, acknowledge, recognize, and remember the whispers that I had had in my teens and early 20s. Remember them. Before I changed my life to fit as a square peg in a round hole. Mm -hmm. Because then it went dormant, if you will. Mm -hmm. And then I did the corporate stint. Yeah. And in that, I would probably say it wasn't until the latter five years that this was coming online more. And then I slowly made that transition because the messages were getting louder. The signs were getting more obvious. I would sign up for a contract or I would get employed. And within two months, I was out the door. Wow. And that would happen repeatedly. Mm -hmm. So these were really big signs. Yes. Yes. So I would probably say about five years from there and then five to 10 years it took me. And then I stepped back into a little bit of the corporate world to trying to create a little bit more balance. Mm -hmm. uh, for about five years, I did that. And now I'm wholeheartedly in this world now. Mm -hmm. So for now, I would probably say, guessing my timeline, if anybody's counting, help. Um, I've been in this space more concretely for probably about the last 10 years. Wow. So really, and what I also hear in what you just said is that there is, it's not like you uh, closed a door, burned a bridge and never looked back. No. That it's been a journey of incremental steps, but there's also been times where you've sort of circled around it. You've come back to certain things, you've picked them up, put them back down. And so it, it's not like, just because you decided to leave corporate that you never had anything to do with corporate again. You, you, you gave yourself the space and the grace to follow what felt right in each moment is Absolutely. what I'm hearing. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm yeah. a firm believer that every single path that we take, be it from a relationship, a, an employment role, whatever that looks like, we're there led to learn something from it. I've been fortunate to learn so much from my corporate career. So to me, it's, I have all these skills, I have all these tools, how can I use these tools to amplify my innate intuitive life purpose gift? We build our tools in life. Mm -hmm. It's up to us to use all of them in certain degrees to amplify a bigger mission. Mm, mm. So, Jen, now I'm going to ask the question that I love to ask at the end of every episode, which is, I really, and I'll just sort of preface it by saying, I believe that podcasts are a way that we travel in time because they exist in perpetuity. They, 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 this will be listened to many years from now. 
And, but I also believe that there's a way that the signal goes backward. And I sort of think of the timeline as like this recording, this conversation is, has the ability to fold over on itself, both into the future and into the past. And we can reach and connect with a part of ourselves from a different time. And so I'm thinking if you could go back to a time when a younger Naranjan really needed a message, maybe it, the moment of like the, like that, that the thing where you're like, oh, I went back and I talked to her. When would you go back to and what are you going to tell her? What does she need to hear? I would go back to probably my later teens where some of this had come online. And I would tell her, keep listening and learn a new language. Doesn't mean you need to share it with the world, but build the skills, build the tools and strengthen the muscle to learn that new language to connect with your higher self in the astral world. Mm. Is there any hope or glimpse of like assur- or assurance that she needs at that time to go forward with, with this? That she's guided and she's held and to really lean back into the ancestry and her higher self who are literally cradling her to lean into the infinite possibilities she has available to her. That is just so beautiful. Naranjan, this has been such a delicious conversation and really so many jewels that have been offered up here today. I really want to thank you for giving us your precious time and sharing your wisdom and your perspective and all of that good stuff. So final question. How do people get in touch with you? It's simple. Go to brightshininglight.com. Brightshininglight.com. That's it. That's it. Thank you and so you guys, me. stuff will be in the show notes. So you can come over to empathicmasteryshow.com to grab the link if you're just listening to this as you're driving or something like that. Or if you got a good memory, brightshininglight.com. Naranjan, thank you so much for being with me today. This has been delicious. Thank you for having me. Thank you. As we come to the end of this episode, I'd love to hear what you're taking from this show. Please jump over to empathicmasteryshow.com to leave your comments. In the show notes, you'll find a link to grab your copy of My Empathic Safety Guide, Three Basics for Finding Calm in the Eye of the Storm. And while you're there, please subscribe and follow this show. And thank you for your help sharing this show with the people who need it. Please help me to spread the word and send this podcast to friends or family members who need support living as highly sensitive empathic people. Then join me again when the next Empathic Mastery Show airs. Okay, one last time. Hop over to EmpathicMasteryShow.com for your empathic safety guide. And until next show, shine on. We need you and your gifts here on this planet. So please don't judge your empathic rainbow by colorblind standards.